0: Hello, and welcome to the next in my series of studies in John's Gospel. I must admit, today's study has been a bit of a surprise to me. I didn't expect to get so much out of this verse. In fact, when I was looking at planning the whole series, I certainly didn't think this would be a whole talk. It remains to be seen as to whether you think it should be a whole talk. In recent weeks, there's been a lot of talk in the news about influencers, people who everybody recognizes influence other people. If you're not familiar with the idea, it's people who have YouTube channels, who create YouTube videos about their lives, and their lives are deemed to be so attractive that other people want to watch. And because other people watch, advertisers pay these people in their videos to use or promote certain products. To influence, and so they're called influencers. What's interesting about this idea is we would never have used that word a few years ago. We like to think, all of us, I guess, that we are completely our own person, that nobody's shaped us, that all our ideas are entirely our own. We certainly don't like the idea that agencies and um, other groups can consciously manipulate or influence us. And yet... Billions, billions of pounds are spent on advertising because it works. Because we are influenced. So who is influencing us? Are we watchers of somebody who is out there as an influencer? Or are we watching people who we haven't recognised are influencing us? I'm going to begin with a question for reflection, a bit of a a different way round of doing things. And I want to ask the question, who influences the attitudes that we have in a whole range of areas? Why do we think what we think? Who influences who we vote for, whether we're left or right? Where has that idea come from? Who is it that shapes that or shaped that in so in the past or present? Who influences how we feel about COVID, whether we feel afraid or unafraid, whether we feel critical or positive about the decisions that are being made? What makes us feel what we feel about it? Who influences whether we feel Pleased to be paying tax or resentful of the tax we pay? Who influences what it is that we think we want to purchase next, what we want to buy next? Where has the idea come from that we need a new whatever it is that we're going to get? And who's influenced us to use that company or that product or that shop? And who's influenced us to think what we can and can't wear? what we wouldn't be seen dead wearing or what we think we ought to wear? And who influences us about how we feel about our body and whether we're happy with our shape and whether we're happy with our appearance? Who influences what we get angry about? Who is it that after we've watched them or listened to them or read what they've said or spoken with them, we found ourselves angry about things that we weren't angry about before? Who influences how much money we give away? Who influences what we feel about sexuality and people's different perspectives about gender? Who influences how we treat the planet and how we feel about these things? Who influences us? Is it social media? and the friends or people that we follow? Are there celebrities that we admire and respect? Are there celebrity pastors with big churches or great videos or wonderful teaching series? Are there musicians? Are there politicians? Well, we're going to come back to all of that. We're in John 8, and Jesus has said these incredibly powerful words. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the crowds are following him again. And the leaders following him uh, say that he, he can't possibly uh, be believed. Who is he to say these things? And he says, I know where I come from and where I'm going in John 8:14, And we looked at this in our last study about how he says that he's believable because of his understanding of his origin, where he's come from and of his destiny. And we talked about us also knowing our origin and destiny. And then he says this simple verse that I thought I would just fly through, but I've got stuck on today. He says, John 8:15. you judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the father who sent me. As I was thinking about judging, it seems to me that there are two forms of judging. One is negative and unhelpful, and one is necessary. They have to decide whether they can believe Jesus. They have to make decisions as to whether he is true. And that's a necessary judgment that they've got to make. Will they trust Jesus? But Jesus also talks about, as we looked earlier in John, the beginning of John 8, when he deals with the woman caught in adultery, he also talks about the negative side of judging. So here are the two elements of judging. The first is to decide who to admire and trust. Who can we follow? Who can we believe? Who will we copy? Who will we allow to influence us? And the second form, Of judgment, which is the negative, is deciding who to condemn and who to reject. So they are trying to decide whether they trust Jesus. And he said, You judge by human standards. He's saying, The way you're judging me is wrong, it's the wrong way of judging. Now it's important for us to try to work out who we trust and who influences us. It's important for us to know who we believe. It's important for us to know who we're going to copy because that affects then how we live. And that's important for us because it sets the priorities for our life. And he says, you're doing it by human standards. You are judging me by human standards, which made me think for a moment or two, what does God look for in a person? What is God's judgment of people? And I want to just suggest five elements, things that God looks for, that may be a hint for what we need to look for in who we are going to allow to influence us. So what is God looking for? And don't forget that Jesus says, look, my judgments are true because my judgments are the same as the Father. So we need to understand how does the Father judge people? What is he looking for? What is God uh, focused on? Because that's how Jesus operates. These are the five things. The first thing is that God is looking for a pure heart. In other words, a heart that has good motive, good intentions. Not doing one thing with the hope of achieving something else, it's not manipulative. You may be familiar with when God is looking for the king of Israel and goes through all the family of Jesse and comes to the youngest David and says to Samuel, The Lord does not look at the things human beings look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. What is he looking for when he looks at the heart? He's looking for integrity and purity of motive. People who are doing things for the right reasons. The second thing as we look through scripture and it becomes clear what God is looking for in the heart of a human being is a humble and repentant attitude. Uh, in Isaiah, God says this, I live in a high and holy place, but I also live with those who are contrite and lowly in spirit. And he lives to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. God loves those who recognize their weakness, their their inferiority compared to God, those who are humble. And he finds it very difficult to deal with the proud. So what is God looking for? He's looking for those people who can see their faults, who recognize their inability, who are dependent on God and who value other people as being greater than them. In Micah, God says this, He has shown you people what is good and what does the Lord require of you? to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. God, it actually says in various places, hates arrogance. What is he looking for in a person? How does we judge a person? He's looking for humility. He's also looking for those who have a care and a compassion that is expressed in action for the vulnerable. This is perhaps the most explicit thing that God says he is looking for. In the in Matthew 25, we have the story of the judgment, end of judgment, and Jesus says that the people he uh, chooses to come into heaven with him are the people who looked after him, and they say, "When did you look? We look after you, Jesus." When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me in. When I was in prison, you helped me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. What is God looking for? He's looking for the people who are there amongst the broken and the vulnerable, who are feeding, welcoming, helping, and providing for those in need. And that's, of course, summed up that God is looking for a heart of love. In Corinthians, Paul says, look, if I can have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains, but if I do not have love, I am nothing. What is God looking for? He's looking for people of love, of care and of compassion. And that love is expressed in mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Mercy. And the fifth thing I want to suggest that he's looking for, how he judges a person, is unfaithfulness. The people keep to their word and keep on doing what they said they will do. Description of Abraham, you found his heart faithful to you and you made a covenant with him. That's what God values, and that's how God assesses a human being. Are they pure, humble, compassionate, loving, merciful, faithful? And the problem is, he says, that you judge by human standards. So we don't judge people by those standards, unfortunately. And we have political leaders in our own nation and in other nations who fall way, way short of those things. The reason is that we judge by the wrong standards. This is what Jesus says, you judge by human standards. So what does he mean? Well, we tend to measure a person. We tend to decide on whether a person is good or bad on other factors. Firstly, we tend to like people who say what we want to hear. If they tickle our ears with the things we want, we agree with, or we want to be true, doesn't matter whether it is true, doesn't matter whether they believe them, doesn't matter whether it's really possible, as long as they tell us what we want to hear, then we'll influ- we will allow them to influence us. Very often, we follow leaders who don't tell the truth, but tell us what the crowd wants to hear. And the second reason why we follow people seems like the opposite, but it is a part of it, is that sometimes we respect the people who frighten us, who intimidate us, who shout loudly at us, the preacher who makes us feel guilty. And we follow them in almost some sense of atoning for our own inadequacy. We feel we ought to listen to the people who are scary. the celebrity pastors that we listen to, the Bible teachers that we admire? Do we know whether they fit the criteria that God is looking for? Or do they simply tell us what we want to hear? Or do they somehow frighten us and we kind of feel that we deserve their rebuke? The second, third whole area in way we judge people—that's not the way God judges people—is that we tend to value people who look good, or look the same as us. We like people who are where who, who's, who look whose appearance is attractive to us, whatever that means. We like the slick video. We like the slick, sleek communication. We like the people who we can identify with. If we're young, we like the young person. If we're old, we like the old person. We like the people who may be from the same race or culture or background as us. And we judge on those standards. God looks at the heart, not the outside. Sometimes we choose people because of their wealth or success that they seem to know what they're doing. They're popular, they're, they're successful, they've got loads of money, loads of power, lots of influence. And that's the way the world looks. And we've seen Christians all over the world caught up in this, and we ourselves may have been tempted. So there is human judging. There's the wise discernment, And there's bad judging, condemning. The wise discernment is deciding who to believe, who to copy, and who to trust. But we need to do it on God's terms, not our terms. It must be done by God's standards, not human standards. So we need to look for the leaders or the influencers, the friends, the people we copy, the people we read about, the people we allow to influence. We need to look for people who have pure motives, who are humble, who care for the vulnerable, who are merciful and who are faithful. And the way they treat their wives or their partners, their children, is important. So who influences us? Politically? In lifestyle? In our shopping? Ethically? Spiritually? And are our reasons for trusting them good? So that's half the talk. How do we measure a person? Are we measuring in God's standard of measuring? The second part is about this element of bad judging, where we condemn, where we are attributing motives to someone. We've decided that they did it for this reason and we've labeled them, we blame them, we reject them, we accuse them. We define them as something. We, we say, this is who they are, and this is what they do, and it's bad. And we refuse to empathize or to understand. So it's one thing to say there are people in my life that I need to work out that I can't copy them. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I have to reject them and hurt them and damage them. Because when Jesus says not to judge, he's talking about not hurting people. Who we have decided that we know who they're, what they're about, and we refuse to help them. We withhold mercy, and we give them no hope. And that's all I'm impacted, and it's seen in the story of the woman caught in adultery, which you can see in our earlier studies. And we tend to do this for different reasons that are unhelpful. We tend to judge negatively people by our own standards. So we tend to say, are they better than me or worse than me? And if I perceive them to be worse than me, then I'm free to reject them. So we don't look in an objective way. We try and compare people to ourselves. and The reason we do that and the reason why we sometimes reject and judge and decide that we're better than other people, is that we enjoy the superiority. We tend to feel struggling with our own self-esteem. And so one of the best ways of dealing with our self-esteem, we think, which is actually really unhealthy, one of the things we think solves our health self-esteem is to be able to put down, laugh at, reject, expose, criticize, rebuke somebody else because we're just putting them down and we're just saying, you know what, we're slightly better than them. And Jesus says, I pass judgment on no one. He is not looking at other people and saying, I'm better than them. He doesn't need to raise his self-esteem by being critical of others. And yet we do. And we try to compensate for our own inadequacy. One of the things, I don't know whether you've observed this in yourself, but we observe it in life, is that very often we are extremely critical of people who do the very things that we do. And it's almost like we're, by being angry with them, we're compensating for ourselves. We're being, perhaps, displacing the anger that we feel towards ourselves. And judging is extremely damaging in this context. Sometimes it's an expression of our jealousy. We label and reject people who we wish we could be like. And it's sometimes that expression of anger with ourselves. And the things that we do, that when we see others do, we're all the more intolerant of. Sometimes judging and labeling and rejecting people is an expression of the fear of difference, that they're different to us. So where are we prone to condemn? The easiest places in family life, where we label and define members of our family, We box them into a space that allows us the permission to be critical of them and to give them no expectation of change. And we pass judgment. And I wonder if we recognize that in our family life, where we need to step back and stop the criticism Sometimes we do it amongst colleagues and clients. We feel better because we can bad mouth that other member of the office. And if we can show other people how they're doing things wrong, perhaps they'll think better of us. Or maybe we'll pile on in social media and join the voices of criticism of somebody. And we'll proclaim that they're wrong and we're right and we wouldn't do those things. We damage and hurt others because we judge. We don't really know what's going on in their life. We don't really know why they've done what they've done, but we've judged. Very often we're prone to judge those in need because it's easier to excuse our lack of care. You know, when Jesus talks about the hungry and and, and those who need clothing and those who are in prison, it's much easier to say, well, these people don't count because it was their own fault, because they made poor choices, because they deserve the problems that they have. So sometimes we judge as an excuse for our own lack of care and compassion. And very often we judge those we don't understand because their lifestyle is different to ours, because their values are different to ours, because their religion is different to ours, because their culture is different to ours. And we judge those who are different. And the reasons we are not to condemn and to judge in that way is firstly our standards are wrong. Jesus says you passing by you're judging by human standards secondly now is not the time to judge god has delayed judgment to the day of judgment if god is not judging why should we be judging who are we to say i'll go ahead of you god you've wait a set a time at the end of history when you'll judge mankind but i'm going to have a go now who are we to preempt god but thirdly even if we were we're not god and he alone is the judge And Jesus says his decisions are true because he stands with the Father. So we've talked about two forms of judging. How do we measure a person? One form is necessary. Is this person trustworthy? The second is damaging. Is this person someone we should reject? We need to find a middle way where we don't copy those who are a bad influence. But neither do we reject and judge those who haven't yet found the life that Jesus would call them to. So our final questions for reflection, where are we passing judgment on others? And who do we reject? Sometimes the very closest to us. And who influences how we judge others? Who is telling us that these people are in and those people are out? Where is that coming from? Might we allow Jesus to influence us? How do we measure a person? Are their hearts pure Are they humble? Are they caring and compassionate? Are they loving and merciful? Are they faithful? If they are, then we may allow ourselves to copy them. But if they're not, that doesn't mean we put them down and reject them and hurt them and damage them, particularly if they are weak and vulnerable. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, help us to make right godly judgments of those we should be influenced by and help us not to condemn. Help us not to pass judgment. Forgive us, Lord, where there are people who we have decided we know why they did things and we know what they're going to do next. Grant us your mercy. Help us to be people who are wise and non-judgmental